Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday, and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for July 26, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Yes, indeed. Coming to the end of July. And, uh, you know, when we have a calendar and dates and appointments and events scheduled, uh, time you know, going on, um, uh, uh, it shows that, wow, this is life, <laughs> you know, uh, progression of a lot of things. And, uh, what do we think about life? Well, we think about, uh, gen- the idea of generations, you know, um, <clears throat> when we were, when we were younger, well, uh, we have our parents' generation before us, and then we have our grandparents' generation. And most of us, we don't know anything more than that. That's pretty limited. We have no, hardly any feel for our great-grandparents, you know. Um, so it's a limited generationally, you know, even though that's, goes back a long way and it's going to extend into the future. Uh, it's just a slice. Huh? And uh, uh, I was thinking about um, uh, people who have come to America. We think of our, our national history. Um People moving around, uh, you know, uh, the the pilgrims and uh, past generations and so forth. Um, We think of Buddhism coming to America and um, uh, and how interculturally things are. And how America is a, well, how they call it, a melting melting pot, 
But then some people said, no, it's not a melting pot where all the flavors get mushed together. It's more like a salad where you got, you know, tomatoes, you got your lettuce, you got your cucumbers. They all contribute, but they don't melt together, okay? And uh, so uh, we've got this diversity of, uh, we're in that sense a young country, um, uh, the immigrants, um, uh, a lot of languages spoken in America. You know, what, what does it mean when we say America, America, United States of America? You know, uh, now other countries and cultures um, are much older. You, know, you think about uh, Asian countries or European countries, they got really long history. And they have developed the uh, cultural aspects that that uh, in America we're still forming. You know, maybe things like holidays, uh, Halloween or Thanksgiving, uh, national holidays that are unique to America. Um, and now maybe other countries did have a period in which they they had a lot of diversity. Okay? And America is developing our own identity. And uh, it, I guess historians, scholars, sociologists, uh, there's probably a lot of material written about national identities, how nations... Uh, countries develop and what's the current state of affairs but America gee so many uh, sometimes uh, people look at us uh, you know as Americans when you are when you are an American you don't think about yourself too much unless you travel abroad okay? and then other people you, you know you start to talk to other uh, people from other countries and you so well, this is the impression that other countries have of America. So, oh, gee, you know, uh, never thought about that, okay, that Americans are like this or that stereotype from European perspective or this or that. Um, someone said that America's like a, uh, a teenager, okay, young, vigorous, strong, but not uh, doesn't have that uh, refinement uh, or wisdom or maturity yeah, that an older person or country would have. Um, now, when I was involved in interfaith work in Chicago, we sometimes we would have a, a discussion, a workshop, or whatnot, a retreat about uh, how different religions see themselves in America, where we do have one aspect of uh, diversity and plurality is that different kind of religions. You know, whereas in a lot of other countries, say like Japan, you know, predominantly Buddhist. Okay? And America, well, you might say it's a Christian country. Okay? 
And you could probably marshal a lot of uh, evidence for that and God we trust and and different things, although that is always changing. Oh, you cannot display this at the public uh, courthouse, you know, and this and that, and uh, statues coming down, flags and all this stuff, but I I don't want to get distracted. Uh, And the, the... the America is a salad bowl, uh, a lot of different languages. Of course, we're lucky that English is so dominant across the world, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, modern life, global communication, uh, it's not so isolated. And, oh, this country, whoa, you know. Uh, it's really a different country. But now, with global communication, small world, we don't even say it's a small world anymore. Okay? But I think it's really magnified in, in a country like the United States. Okay? Even when I say America, I feel kind of funny because, you know, there's a, there's a continent in North America, and there's South America, and... Uh, so we mean, of course, for us, we mean the United States of America and um, the religious diversity and uh, religion and politics. Those are, <laughs> they say don't talk about those two things. But those are very basic, uh, broad uh, topics and important ones for a lot of people. Huh? Uh, you go to a lot of uh, communities or something, their whole social life and everything revolves around their church, you know, particularly in rural areas. You, you don't, you won't fit in if you're not part of the community that goes to a particular church and all the social activities are, you know, uh, related to that. And uh, especially in a in the city, in a lot of cities, you know, yeah, there's a lot of diversity. Okay. And it's very fascinating. Uh, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that I did a Tisserana recently, yesterday, in fact. And it's a uh, uh, European, Caucasian, I assume. I don't know the the, the, the uh, family background of the person. You know, uh, we could assume he was raised in a Judeo-Christian background and so forth. Now he's interested in Buddhism and Somehow he found out about our uh, bright dawn, you know, whether through the Internet or whether through uh, word of mouth. He did our 21-day program, which is uh, well, some decades ago. I, uh, You know, you, you always want some kind of structure in a, in a program or in, a, in, a, in an approach. Um, you don't want too much structure, but you need some structure. So I did start a what I call a 21-day program of gasho, trying to establish gasho as a, as a daily spiritual practice. Put your hands together and you just have a quiet moment. Uh, morning and evening gasho. Then you do it for 21 days. And, you know, we have material that explains this and all that. And uh, 
and uh, we recommend using a calendar and making an X mark on the every every day. So I did my morning gush show, put another slash mark to make an X. You did your evening gush show, okay? And uh, so you you started your day and ended your day with a little spiritual practice. Uh, if you have a spot, <laughs> uh, SPOT, Special Place of Tranquility. <laughs> well, for some reason in um, Japanese uh, general culture, when re- religious matters and political matters were much more entwined uh, in uh, government and history, there was a, a kind of a resolution, I guess, that said, uh, everybody must have a home altar. And that's why in uh, Japanese Buddhism, uh, many families have a have a uh, home altar. And Japanese immigrants that came to America, and, you know, I'm third generation Japanese American, uh, don't speak Japanese fluently at all. Of course, food is the last to go, and uh, I like, I love sashimi, you know, raw fish, okay, which, or even seaweed and things like this, which other non-Japanese would say, oh, yo, you know, or if they give a yell, it's because it's so expensive, but, so food is the last to go. Anyway, okay, okay, don't get, don't get distracted. Uh, I have some kind of a um, want to establish some kind of daily practice and this is one way to say hey you know what what am I going to do what's what's involved not just reading um, what they call nightstand Buddhist somehow they got interested in Buddhism and then they, they got their books and and they do some reading, and it's on their nightstand, you know. And uh, I think we all do this, and nothing wrong with that. You know? We get some existential blues and and whatnot, and you know, and we find comfort in reading religious books, spiritual books, huh? figuring out who we are, what life is about. Okay? At least we're on the path. Okay. Uh, a lot of lifestyles, and that's fine. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, someone gets interested in Buddhism, they're reading books, and they want to take a next step. Yeah, and they want to develop a, some kind of a spiritual practice. They want to feel they're on the path. Okay? Uh, that's an important step. Stepping onto the path. Saying, hey, I've got a direction now. And uh, so we have a Tisarana service, the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Um, And I'm sure it's exciting for such a person. And Buddhists in general, you know, they don't have... uh, so-called nominal Buddhists or Buddhists in America, United States of America, 
Uh, we have ethnic Buddhists, okay? people who were born into a Buddhist family. And then we have so-called convert Buddhists. And these labels are not the best, but um, <clears throat> but the point has been raised. You know, if you're Christian, uh, that means that you've been baptized. Now, uh, some converts to Buddhism say, well, you, you know, that's a valuable thing. You should have a Buddhist confirmation. Say, okay, I am a Buddhist. I want to follow the Buddhist path. Okay? And Tisarana serves that kind of purpose, okay? taking refuge in the three treasures or the three jewels, or, you know, um, Buddha Dharma Sangha. This is, this is a very foundational core that all Buddhist denominations and things share. Okay? They may differ on all kinds of things, but they all value three treasures, Buddha Dharma Sangha. I don't know the history of it and all that, but okay? the Buddha, the person, teacher, okay? Dharma, the teachings, okay? and Sangha, fellowship, people. Um, <clears throat> these are the three treasures, or we say, you uh, take refuge in, okay, the three treasures. Uh, we uh, describe it as becoming one with. If you say take refuge in, or uh, well, some people feel that's too dualistic, the okay, subject, object. Uh, and so if we say, well, <clears throat> I become one with, you know, and the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. Uh, three treasures. Uh, and we have a, well, uh, 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 telephone Tisarana. <laughs> you know, that's what we, actually what we did yesterday. This person uh, lives in Sacramento, and, you know, uh, so we made the, uh, the appointment and and so forth and he called in and we did it over the phone. And that's something pretty innovative now that I come to think of it that I started with the, at, at bright dawn. Okay. Uh, and of course, my father used to do a lot of t- give do. Tisaran is a three treasures is a Buddhist confirmation service. Okay. Uh, uh, it involves. Uh, you know, it has its roots in a time when there was a clear demarcation against uh, uh, between religious life and secular life. Uh, and uh, to become a Buddhist man, you became a monk. You 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 shaved your head. Okay? You said, "Hey, my priorities, my values are doing this, and not putting all my efforts in." focus on, say, making a living or, you know, other things. Okay. You still got to do those things, perhaps. Okay. We're not talking about necessarily a monasterial thing. Okay. And uh, uh, so when we have a Tisarana, someone says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a Buddhist for self-identity. Okay. And we do it by telephone. Uh, you, what, what's the? How do you feel about that? 
oh, that's watering it down or something like this. Well, what's uh, what's the qualification? What's the prerequisites for uh, doing this, having this done? Okay. Well, to me, it's just there. there's none except your intention, your sincerity. Okay. You don't have to study anything. I'm sure in other approaches, religious approaches, well, you, you know, you got to take some classes. You got to do, you know. Well, which is okay, but for us, it's just the intention. Okay. And person is okay, and uh, one big part of Tisarana and becoming a Buddhist is you give it a Buddhist name, or technically they call it a Dharma name, not a Buddhist name, but a Dharma name. And when we think about it, one's name is important, part of your identity. And your values and priorities. Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. We get the. Uh, if you if you're gonna change your life, your identity, you change your name. You know. I said, no, I don't want my slave name. I want my. I want the. You know. Uh, my name to reflect something else. Um. It's interesting how maybe in in the United States or you know sometimes we say Western culture or maybe Judeo-Christian tradition, maybe a lot of names are biblical, okay? or we find in some subcultures or you know maybe African American communities they're very creative with their names, you know the first names that they give their children, and so forth. But anyway. A Dharma name. And usually a teacher would, you know, give the Dharma name to a student. Okay. In my case, being um minister's son, or I say P PK, preacher's kid, uh, my middle name was my Dharma name, given at birth. Okay. I have an English name, and then I have my Dharma name. Now a lot of Japanese American immigrants, they they get an English name, okay, that reflects uh, life in the United States. David, John, Michael, Mary, Jenny, whatever it is, your English name, and they're given a Japanese middle name, okay, which is preserving their own cultural tradition. Okay. So. Uh, and then when you're given these names, <clears throat> my my father's name, given name, was Masao. Then his teacher gave him a Dharma name, Gyomei, which means bright dawn. Okay. And as soon as he became a minister, he took he he used his Dharma name as his first name. Uh, so if he signs his name, you say he, he doesn't use Masao. He just flip-flopped it and made that his middle initial, Reverend Gyome M. Kubose. Okay. And he says, well, I'm, I'm using my Dharma name. Okay. And, I, and so I decided the same thing. I, uh, when we started Bright Down Center, I said, well, uh, I'm not going to go by my, my given English name. I'm going to use my middle name, which was already my Dharma name given at birth. So I said, well, Koyo Kubose, face the sun. <laughs> See? And so 
Koyo, two written characters. Japanese written language is based upon the Chinese ideographic uh, system. Okay, it's not a, a pronunciation. The meaning is in the written characters, not in the sound of a word. And uh, <clears throat> Koyo, and the Yo is the sun, S-U-N. Ko means to face. So my name Koyo means to face toward the sun. And uh, Dharma name should be a source of continuous renewal, inspiration, motivation. Uh, And so we kept the Yo part as everybody that uh, enrolls in our program, completes the program as a right down center uh, lay minister. Okay. Gets a Dharma name if they already don't have one. If they don't have one, if they have one from another tradition, fine. More the merrier. That's fine. Okay. But we give everybody a Dharma name. Okay. Uh, if they did, if they had a Tisarana before they started our program, well, if it was our name that I gave, I give always the one with the yo on the end for the second written character. Okay, and uh, so the one I gave yesterday was well, Manyo, and Man is sincere. So his Dharma name is Manyo, sincere son. So I talk about this during the Tisarana uh, service over the phone. Okay? And we put make a Tisarana certificate that we're going to mail them and so forth. Um, and describe some mm, teachings, some practices to think about, okay? and give them a good, good, <laughs> good shove on the on the path. Okay? Give them a little momentum there. Give them a little wind at his back, encouragement, okay? and talk about the significance of the name and. You know, how there's no periods, as my father would say, no periods in Buddhism. There's only these commas. Okay? So, oh, I got, I'm a Buddhist. Well, that's just the beginning. Now, isn't it interesting that graduation is called commencement? I wish I, I should research that out, where that came from. That's brilliant. Calling graduation commencement. Not to begin. Okay? Okay. You're graduating, but that's just the beginning. Okay. Uh, okay. It's so refreshing, inspiring to do a Tisarana for me because you see the, you could feel the person's sincerity. And it made me think about what kind of name to give. And I said, well, in this case, it was, you know, sincere, son. And I'm thinking of these thoughts, okay, and the excitement of a person starting a, a spiritual path. And uh, <clears throat> what am I going to say to help him? That in itself is uh, renewal of teachings for me. And, for example, I would say things like, well, 
DT Suzuki. I don't know where I picked this up. I, I know I got it from someplace. I don't know if it was from a book or in some kind of discussion, but I, but I, I've used this a lot. I said, well, DT Suzuki said there are three personal qualities that a person should have to successfully walk. The first attribute is sincerity. The second attribute is sincerity. And the third aspect is sincerity. (laughs) Uh, Or there's another saying that I picked up along along the line. Um, uh, A Buddhist colleague, uh, I don't know where he got it, but I remember he said uh, as general advice to someone, there's only two things you need to remember in life. Always be sincere and don't forget to laugh. Okay, now these, you know, these nuggets, uh, uh, we get a lot, we have, we're exposed to a lot of nuggets, a lot of sayings, a lot of, and I think we should have a, a nugget, nugget list. Okay, and everybody's nugget list, of course, is going to be different. Things that, because of different Backgrounds and preferences and opinions and everything. This struck me. I like this. Sane or experience and so forth. It's all individual uniqueness. Uh, So I think this is part of what we might call freedom within a religion. That it's not just a matter of finding the teaching or, uh, you know, this and that. It's realizing that walking the path is an active thing. And it unleashes creativity. Wow. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm running. I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today. This is Mark Cayo, lives in Florida, and he was part of our LM5 group. So instead of hearing from me wandering on and on, let's hear from Mark Cayo. Good morning and happy Live Dharma Sunday. Today's glimpse was inspired by a long list of events that go way back. But for the sake of time today, We'll start with some more recent events. Several months ago, near the beginning of the pandemic that we still find ourselves in, me and my family kept seeing stories of animal shelters everywhere becoming empty after a tremendous influx of adoptions, which we thought was fantastic. About a year ago, we lost our family dog of 13 years. Her name was Sophie. It still brings a tear to my eye every time we think of her. We loved her dearly. She was always the protector from all things evil, whether that was a car driving by, a delivery man, or anybody who dared to knock on our door. And at 130 pounds... She was fierce, to say the least, with a bark that rattled the windows. 
but she was also the best friend that I ever had. So we decided to do our part and adopt a new puppy from a local rescue. We filled out the application and like a whirlwind, we found ourselves driving home with a new 13-week-old German short-haired pointer mix. She's black and white and kind of has a cow pattern all over. Little did I know it then, but that was the beginning of a very long list of Dharma lessons. I jokingly think of her as a stern Zen monk. I had never raised a puppy, so this was all new grounds for me. Our last dog was one year old when we adopted her. But anyways, back to my new life at the newly formed Zen Dojo with my teacher named Bailey. Our days begin before the sun comes up with a refreshing trip around the yard in the dark when I would actually prefer to sit in my chair and drink coffee to wake up. But that's not on the itinerary. And the rest of the day is spent chasing her from one thing to another that I like to think of as daily chores around the dojo. And that goes from Picking things up that were left out, because she surely she she will find them, and sweeping nonstop. I swear, she tries to bring the beach in with her from outside every time. I live in Florida, so we have a sandy yard. So where's the Dharma, you ask? Well, it's her, Bailey. She is a She is an amazing teacher. She's stern. She won't accept no for anything. Her energy (laughs) seems limitless. But if I had to say, what is the number one lesson that I've learned and continue to learn? It's patience. Patience in the moment right now. Like when she sneaks into my office and tries to help me with some illustrations that I've been working on by chewing them up beyond recognition. Maybe she's telling me to push harder that I can do better. Or maybe she's telling me to relax and don't be so attached to material things. It's funny to think about the stories that she's already spun and the lessons that we've already learned. But patience seems to be a big lesson with her and one that we gladly welcome. Me and my family love her dearly and every day is a new day to learn what she has to teach. Get a puppy, they said. It'll be fun. LOL. Get a puppy and learn a ton sounds better. So to all the pet owners out there, Kudos to you and to everybody. I hope you have a safe and happy, wonderful Sunday. And I thank you for...
for listening to my Dharma glimpse. Thank you very much. I I couldn't stop smiling and laughing. Uh, you know, we have two dogs, and we grew up with, we were raised with dogs and everything, and, oh, man, uh, yeah, puppy. Uh, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, puppy Dharma. When you have to house train them, you know, and, and being a psychologist, I knew the importance of conditioning and uh, being consistent. And if, if you're totally training, a, say, a dog, you've got to be vigilant. And if they start to go, you know, you got you uh, otherwise it's going to take a long time to train. See, so uh, uh, I remember when training a a puppy, a toilet training. Boy, it was a more than a full time job, and it takes a, a mental stress, you know. Because I knew, said, well, if you're if you get kind of sloppy, you're going to pay for it in the sense of it's going to take a long time before they pick it up. It's not their fault, of course. Wow, talk about patience, yeah, <laughs> that, you know, and uh, dogs are individuals. Okay, <laughs> when I, when I, when Mark Kyle was talking about their losing their dog Sophie, eh, 130 pounds, wow, that's big. I don't know what kind of dog he said it, Sophie was, but uh, that. Uh, 130 pounds. Well, we had a big black lab that was 125 pounds, and Black Hawk, that was his name, he was big, you know. So I can't imagine a 130-pound dog. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, what a that's that that's such a good topic, I guess, for Dharma glimpse. Uh, puppy Dharma, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's really uh, Mark Kayo. <laughs> that's a nice uh, what, what do you call it? Juxtaposition, or you know, using the Zen master teacher, uh, uh, and uh, I remember. When Mark Kyle came at, to his uh, lay ministry induction ceremony here at Bright Dawn, and uh, he had a really large uh, Dharma wheel tattoo on his forearm. Eh? <laughs> you know, that's the first one that I like I had ever seen like that. Uh, this was a time when, um, uh, especially sports figures, they had a lot of you know they're doing a lot of tattoos, and in fact, a lot of tattoos on these uh, sports figures were. Athletes were uh, Chinese characters, you know, and that had a meaning. I, again, sociology, historically-wise, I don't know how that, that kind of a fad or movement started, but there's a lot of tattooing going on nowadays. So many decades ago, we, we didn't see a lot of people with tattoos. How'd that get started? What happened? I remember some years ago when we first started Bright Down, my 
my son said, hey, Dad, shall we get a, a bright dawn tattoo? <laughs> you know, uh, well, some people get it on their shoulder. Some people say, well, we could get ours on our inside of our ankle there, you know. And, you know no problem doing that, okay. But, of course, a lot of people, you know, they maybe they started small and they, and they just kept snowballing, but, you know, their whole arm's covered, see. And a tattoo, of course, is permanent. Now, you know, when you start thinking about things like that, oh, mm, 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 and so forth. But I'm tattooless right now. Maybe I'll ask Adrian if she wants to get a tattoo and we could do it together. Okay. First, we'll have some wine, right? Okay. Well, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. And you have a... Beautiful day.